special prayer for our ladies this morning and uh, just praying God's blessing over them. And uh, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you uh, for an opportunity to gather in this place, God. And we thank you for an opportunity to acknowledge our ladies and our mamas in this place, God. We thank you for them, uh, Lord, for what they've gone through to make this happen today. We thank you uh, that we have life because of them. And God, we pray that you infuse their lives today. That God, the desires of their hearts, God, the things they cry out for, Lord, the things they need, God, that you would give them everything this morning, we pray. And Lord, we thank you for them again. Give them an amazing day, Lord. We pray right now that you convict the kids of mamas to do whatever they want. Whatever they want. If it's washing a car, Lord, convict those babies. Lord, if it is even cleaning their room. I feel like revival's about to happen. Lord, help the mamas, we pray. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Who knew prayer could be fun? Right now, we're excited today. It's an opportunity uh, to spend time with you, to spend time with God, and to grow a little bit more. Um, we do want to say one thing. There's a special 50-year wedding anniversary coming up this week on the 15th. Right? Are you guys excited about it? Yeah. She. He said, "I think you're ending." I'm not going to quote because you know what? We still got to stick together. Okay? We still got to stick together. But a 50-year anniversary—that's exciting, right? Are you guys excited for them? Yes, I can't even spell. Lee and Rose, you guys are awesome. Thank you for being here. You make this place great. Um, so we're going to continue on. Today is the last uh, installment of Next, the series Next. The series Next, And um, we're going to be moving into something great coming up next week. And you'll see a slide in a second called Mountains. And here's the thing. We've all encountered mountains in our lives, right? You live in West Virginia. Can I get some amens? Okay, uh, you live in West Virginia, you know what it's like to go out your door and fall off a cliff, at least I do now, all right? And uh, just thinking about that and praying about living in West Virginia, uh, you think how, how many mountains there are around you, but you also think about that in life. There's mountains everywhere. But in Scripture, you see that God does amazing things on mountains, and you'll hear a little bit about it today as well. God does amazing things in those mountain times, and it's not just an up-in-the-air exciting event when you're on a mountain sometimes. Have you ever hiked? That's not fun. Going down's okay. Going up? No, that's of the devil himself, okay? Um, and you're just about dead when you're halfway up. But we're excited, though, because we're, we're going to be trekking some mountains together over the next weeks, and uh, we're excited to see uh, how God will make Scripture come alive to us as well. So get ready for mountains starting next week, all right? So, again, today we are concluding next, and we're excited um, because this was our, our second installment of you know, a series at the Foundry, but also uh, what comes after understanding our story. We go to what is next. And today we're concluding that. Uh, last week you heard um, a story that was one that was challenging, one that was exciting, um, one about a guy named Joshua. And I asked you the, the key question, what is your life? Do you remember that? If you don't, that's okay. Um, I'm not going to be down on you today because I don't remember if I had breakfast or what it was. Okay? So don't feel bad. Um, but we asked last week, what is your life? Okay, um, we, we grew to understand that um, outside of the Holy Spirit, it's hard for us to to walk and to be guided and to understand what our life is and what it looks like on a daily basis. But we looked at the life of Joshua and as he was getting ready to cross that river at the ripe old age of 85, right, uh, leading these folks and across uh, the river at the ripe old age of 85, we grew to understand that God will help us too. God will help us too. Um, he, he helped Joshua. He was with him and he'll be with us as well. We grew to understand that there are folks literally counting on us, right? Moms, you know what I'm talking about. There are folks literally counting on you to share your story, for you to share your life with them. 
this good news. They're waiting for it to come out of your mouth from your life and into their lives as well. Um, we're excited, though, to, to continue on this week um, on a topic that's kind of hard for us uh, to understand. And this is something literally, Kara knows, I've wrestled with for two weeks. Okay, this topic and what we're talking about today is not an easy one. But we find ourselves today at a critical juncture, a crossroads of sorts, in which God has spoken things to us, given us promises, directives, and even paths in which we are to take. Right? If you live longer than one minute in a relationship with God, you'll begin to hear and understand that He's taking you places and that He's showing you things. These blessings that He has bestowed upon us, whether it be time, wisdom, talents, and even finances, have been given to us with a purpose in mind. And today, we find ourselves at the crossroad between the gifts and the blessings that we have received and how it is that God wants us to use these on a daily basis. This, my friends is realized through what I call and what the world calls stewardship. This is not a tithing message. Say praise God. Please, come on. I, I shared with a friend of mine, you know, I said, we're going to be concluding the series with stewardship. He's like, whoa, whoa, you're like in pre-launch phase. You know, you're only going to have like two months under the belt of meeting, and you're going to talk about finances. I said, no, smarter than that, okay? Because anything that will kill a church quicker than anything else in the world is you saying, hey, um, by the way, I want your money. And I'm not saying that. What I want for you is to be a good steward of what God has given you, period. So we're going to talk about stewardship. We're going to talk about uh, what this looks like and what it means. And we're going to glean from someone's life uh, that was a precursor to Joshua. We're going to backtrack a little bit. But what we're concluding this series with is this simple thought. What I have, I give. I have, I give. I have, I give. I have, I give. Let me ask you a question. Do you desire to do more for your friends? Do you? You're like, no, I like to be in a little small room by myself all the time because it's a happy place. That's okay too, but sometimes you got to come out. There's the sun shining and it's going to be fun, okay? But do you want to do more for your neighbors? I want to tell you guys something. We went through the circle maker. Um, this is a small sidebar. Uh, for the last uh, about eight weeks or so, as a small group. And one of the things I circled at the beginning of our small group, one of the things I circled in prayer is that we would meet our neighbors and that we would have life with them. In the past week, two of them with families that God's led us to. If you ask for it, he'll give it to you. So watch out. How do you know, have opportunities? To, do you want to have a, a better relationship with your coworkers? Do you want to, you know, have opportunities, divine opportunities, what we call them, uh, to spend time with them and to, to have conversations that make a difference? Do you feel like as if you've grown in your relationship with God over the past few months and that he's placed these things and desires in your heart that you know, you know he would love to see realized in your life, in your lifetime? Do you feel that way? I hope so. Because here's the thing. We don't get saved. We don't give our heart to God through Jesus just to come and sit inside of a building. We don't do that. That's not the goal. Literally, we'll pack our bags and leave. That's not why we're here. That's why you're here this morning, because you know that we're not about that. We're about loving him and loving them. And hopefully, over the past eight weeks, you felt that kind of desire in your heart that I want to do more with my life. I'm here for a reason. And God has, has shown you things, and he's given you things and now you're at this place. What do I do with them? What do I do with the gifts I've been given? What do I do with my time? 
What do I do with my talents? What do I do with my education? What do I do with my vocation? And obviously, he's given you money, too. What do you do with that? What do you do with it? It's called stewardship. Stewardship is a common term that we don't commonly come to terms with in our personal lives. Think about it. You've heard the term before. It's kind of one of these weird things that you're not saying, well, you know, today I'm going to practice good stewardship. And people are like, great. How? What? That's, sometimes that's probably not the best way to make friends and be like, you know, uh, what's your name? Kara? Hi. I'm trying to be a good steward of my time and my gifts and talents. Would you like to be my friend? You may not find them that way. But if you're buying toothbrushes at a, uh, a, a drugstore, you may find friends that way. Shout out. Okay? It happens. Every day you have an opportunity. Every day you have an opportunity, a chance to do something with your life. How will you use it? We figured out last week what our lives are, but this week, how are we going to use them? Let's define it. If we were to define this term according to Webster, we'd find that this word means this, the activity or job of protecting and being responsible for something. This is the Mother's Day part right here. You're like, I wish all of my children were in here right now. I can't tell you how many times sometimes we tell Aiden to close the drawer. Okay, all in all, he's amazing. He's an amazing kid. You know that. But all in all, there's, son, go close the drawer. He's got his father in him. Bless his heart. Please pray for him. Intercede <laughs> if you can. I'll start something, and then all of a sudden, what, I don't know what happened. I don't, I'm, I'm somewhere else. Pray for Kara, too. Also, if we further define stewardship, we would define it as this. The, the conducting, supervising, this is where moms are good, supervising or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So you look at it as the act, but then it's also something that's entrusted to your care. And we wouldn't have stewardship without the word steward, which is a person whose job is to manage the land and property of another person. See, we got to understand that this is temporal. Life is temporal. It's but a vapor. We talked about it last week. But a mist, it's gone. Here one day and gone the next. God has given us this opportunity, this blip on the radar, if you think about humanity, to do something significant. But the thing is this. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Stewardship is about what we do in the meantime with everything that we have. See, God, when you think about him in this way, he's the one that gives us everything. Have you thought about that before? A lot of times we think, well, I went to school on my own. Yes, you did, but he gave you the ability to learn. You say, well, I got this job by just killing it in the interview. Good job. How do you think you killed it? He helped you. You know what I mean? I got this car because I saved up my money for years. Yes, you did. But who gave you the job to save up the money to get the car? See, everything points back to him. All roads lead back to God. At least that's what I believe. At least that's what I've seen in my life. And I want to take the opportunity to steward what he has given me. Romans 4.17 says he gives life. And I'll, if you would like copies of these scriptures, I'd love to do it. Otherwise, I'd have pages on the notes. James 1.5 said he gives wisdom. Psalm 29.11 says he gives strength. James 4.6 said he gives grace and glory. 
Jeremiah 24, 7 said, he gives a heart to know him. He gives us a heart to know him. Psalm 146, 7 says he gives us freedom and food. Can I get some amens? Mother's Day, are you guys ready for some grub? Okay. All the guys are cooking today. It's going to be great. <laughs> Moms laugh because like, that's not true. You don't know my family. <laughs> but they're nudging right. Some dude's sides are sore right now. They've caught so many boas today. It's like a WWF match. All right. Isaiah 45.3, he gives treasures. Jeremiah 29.11, he gives us hope and a future. Think about it. Psalm 37.4, he gives you the desires of your heart. John 3.16, he gave us his son, his only begotten son. 1 Thessalonians 4.8, he gives us the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 17.10, he gives to each man According to his ways, stewardship. You think about that. God is waiting to give you everything. But how you handle what you have determines what you get. I have, I give. So last week, again, we uh, had a, uh, an understanding of someone that was post-Moses. Someone that came after Moses. Someone that did it. Right, right? Joshua, what did he get to do? He got to enter the promised land. He got to see everything that he heard about from the previous generation. But here's the thing that I want us to get today. Here's the thing that I want us to understand. Number one, understand Moses was amazing. I'm not saying that. I'm not putting Moses, I mean, anybody, if you read the word, Moses is an amazing person. He did amazing things, which you'll hear about in just a moment. But throughout Moses' life, there were a couple hiccups, a couple bumps in the road along the way, a couple things that he didn't steward very well that ultimately changed his destiny. Let me give you some quick facts about Moses. You may already know them, but he was put in a small basket and floated down the Nile to avoid death. He was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter and adopted into the royal family. He became aware of who he really was as he grew older and noticed the oppression of his people. What did he do in turn? Killed the man that was beating one of his own Hebrew friends, his own Hebrew family, and hit him in the sand. He then had to flee for his life to Midian, and there became a shepherd with his future father-in-law, Jethro. What a name. What a name, Jethro. While shepherding, he met his, his wife, Zipporah, and they married. Then, while tending flocks on Mount Horeb, also called Mount Sinai, God spoke to him from within a burning bush and directed his life to rescue his own people. And then with Aaron's speaking abilities, signs and wonders performed by Moses and some pretty amazing plagues on Egypt, the people of... And those things are amazing if you believe. See, that's just a little bit of the backstory of who he is. And those things are amazing. And if you've read the scripture, you've read those stories and it's just like, wow, the way God acted on his behalf. This guy was in touch with God. He was amazing. You were thinking from that point on, Moses is going to do anything and everything he desires. Because look at his life. Look at his connectedness. He understood what his life was about and where God was taking it. But things changed along the way. One thing I want us to understand is this. I feel that God has placed things in our hands, and as we did with Moses long ago, and those things, whether they are gifts, talents, or finances, or whatever we have, are placed there with a purpose and for a reason. 
God desires for us to use what he has given us to help accomplish amazing things. But unfortunately, if we don't steward them well, they may never be realized. That's the scary part. So this morning, let's take a look at a few instances from Moses' life and uh, glean some understanding of how we too can become good stewards of what God's given us. First thing I want us to understand is this, that God desires to use what's, what's in your hand, what you have. Exodus 14, 16 through 23, you see the instance there where uh, Moses raised his staff and stretches it out over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. You remember that? You may have read that before. This might be the point where you saw Charlton Heston. Anybody see Charlton? You, you saw him the whole time, right? You, the whole, you're just like, there he is. I should have dressed up like him today. It would have been fun, okay? And then I'll carry a foam sword, and all of a sudden we'll be LARPing together, okay? We're not going to do that. Stay far, far away from that. But you see him up there, right? You see Charlton, I mean, uh, Moses up there. And he reaches out, right? And you see this, this sea divide, and you see his people go through on dry land. How amazing is that? Isn't that cool? It's amazing. Have you ever seen that before? Exactly. It's amazing. Hollywood did it no justice back in the day. Only your imagination can see that. But see, God has placed things in our hands. He's given us things, right, to make a difference in this world. He's placed within our hands things to help make a difference in this world. Remember how Moses started out his journey outside of Egypt as what? A shepherd, right? He was this thing was placed in his hand, a staff, to help keep sheep safe, uh, to, to ward off, you know, uh, all kinds of animals of, of prey or ones that prey on sheep. And, and he used this thing to lead, guide, and direct. So naturally he had it with him, right? Naturally God wanted to use what was in his hand to display his power even before Pharaoh. See, God was using what Moses had in his hand. So the question, I beg of you, what's in your hand? What do you have that God wants to use? The second thing that we have to understand is that God brings life from what we have. Exodus 17, 1 through 7, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Everything they had, they're saying, why did you do this to us? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? You ever felt that way when you're talking to somebody? I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go with this. This is where Moses was that day. What am I going to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which, with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at, at Horeb. Strike the rock and the water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not. See, you don't understand the fullness of what you have in your hand sometimes. See, Moses had seen that staff do some pretty cool things from saving sheep 
to turn into a snake, you know, to strike in the Nile, parting the waters as he waved over, to now God saying, look, strike a rock with it. Strike a rock and water will flow forth. See, sometimes we neglect to see the power of what we have in our hands. Are you thinking about it right now, some things that God's given you? Are you thinking about the things that he's placed within you, your gifts, your talents, you know, education, all the, your, your desire to serve or, or a knowledge base for community things or, or whatever? You have things in your hands that God wants to use, and he'll do amazing things to help others with it. I have, I give. Another thing we need to understand this morning, that at times you give too much. At times you can give too much. This was a hard one to read for me. Okay, you can ask Kara. She helps to steward my time. As we sat in our staff meeting this week, right, and we're trying to diversify tasks of the Foundry Church. We're trying to spread things out. And we all looked at Kara, right, and they're like, well, what about Kara? What's Kara going to do? And I said to myself, Kara needs to help Justin. And she does. Sometimes it can be a little contentious. And I'm like, I know, baby. I got it. And there's other times when I just, I'm so appreciative. Because this is hard to do. Does anybody else overcommit in life? Raise your hand, all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we have a support group that we're starting in one week. <laughs> it's called the Overcommitters, uh, cousin to the Overcomer group. Um, but uh, I didn't see your hand, Mike. Did you raise it up? Uh, Mama did. She's like, two hands. Bless them, all right? She goes, I'll throw in two as well. That's for Mike's part of the reason that we're here as our presbyter bringing us to Morgantown. This guy works hard all the time, and uh, he gets to be home for uh, Mother's Day, and we're excited for that. But we know what it's like to overcommit because we want to help everybody all the time. Do you feel that way? You just, and part of it, too, is that, that dysfunction we have inside to please people. Anybody else have that? Raise your hand again. Come on, I'm with you. You just love when they say, oh, that's amazing. You did such a great job. And you're like, did I? Did I? Did I? I, I hope so. I worked hard. I worked hard. That's all we want half the time, too. Sometimes, sometimes we can do too much. Exodus 18, 1 through 6, and verse 17 as well. This is where uh, the father-in-law has to come in. Dano and I haven't had that conversation yet. Pretty good about it. But this is where the father-in-law has to step in. Right, interject some comments here. We read on. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and the father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people of Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt after Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah. There's a problem. After he sent away his wife Zipporah, why? A little too busy with ministry, not enough time for family. His father-in-law Jethro received her, so she goes home to dad and their two sons. That could be a problem. We would have the talk after that, my father-in-law and I, if I'm too busy, if I'm doing too many things to not be with them. So one son was named Gershom uh, for Moses. I have become an alien in the foreland, and the other was Eliezer, for he said, my father's, my father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses, Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the desert where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him. This is not a fun word to receive. I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and two sons. 
So then you see this little part of a story ensue. Jethro makes it, okay? He's, he's heard about all these great things that God was doing in the, in, the, in the life of Israel and the life of Moses. And that's good and all. But he makes it there and all. And here's Moses like, Pop, have you heard about all the great things that are happening? I'm telling you what, Israel is amazing right now. Have you seen them? Have you seen the people? Things are wonderful. You know what? I appreciate you coming to check everything out and to give me a high five and to, to coach me along and just be proud of your son-in-law. It wasn't that type of conversation. It was the type of conversation where he's like, hey, Moses, you're doing too much. You're stretching yourself too thin. You're trying to do too many things. You are not being a good steward of your time and the people that I've blessed you with. So then that awkward conversation ensues, and Moses has to man up to it. What does Jethro do? He helps him set things in order. Guys, I'm telling you, it is, it is so hard for me. I'm so hard for me not to want to help the world. It is. But I hear pastors say all the time, and this is something we should, we should understand as folks who follow Christ, do for the one that you want to do for all of them. Do for the one that you would love to do for all of them. Because I can't effectively do it all. You can't either. You can't be, you're not everywhere at once. It's only God that can do that. That's his gift. That's his talent. That's what he gave to himself. Yeah, you got it. But for us, we're limited. We can't do that. Sometimes we can give too much. You don't want to hear the words, what you are doing is not good. Another thing we need to understand is this, that you can misuse what you have. You can misuse what you have. See, we want to have the understanding in our lives that everything we have is God, so then we allow him to direct everything we do with it. That's why it's easier to say, I have, I give. We hold it like this. I speak in terms of people a lot like this because I can't hold tightly to any of you. If you feel like God is leading you somewhere to do something else, it's not my job to hold you. It's my job to bless you as you go. It's my job as an opportunity to help you find your place in life. That's what I'm supposed to help do as I steward people and help you to steward what God has given you. That's hard for us to do sometimes because we, we want to hold tightly or use things the way we want them to be done and way to be used. You know, you think about it. Should I get this or should I get that? Should I have this job or should I have that job? Sometimes we fail to consult God in the process and we misuse what we have. Numbers 21 through 13, specifically 8 through 12, we hear God say to Moses, speak to the rock. But what happens? Read with me. Take the staff and you and your brother Aaron, it's still in his hand, okay? He wasn't talking about his leadership staff, all right? Take your staff, all right? He wasn't talking about his co-workers, everybody that was under him. He said, take your staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in, the, in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. Moses is starting to get mad. Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? There is a change that happened. Did you notice it? Moses starts taking it on himself to see miracles happen. 
to see provisions, to see life. You need water. You need water. People need to, to drink to be alive. And when you're dealing with all these crazy people, Lord help him. It's even harder. But he loses it in the process. You rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm, and you see him. The same staff that he rescued sheep with. The same staff that turned into a snake to show God's power. The same staff that, that split the Nile, a body of water. The same staff, right? You see what I'm saying here? He struck the rock. What happened? When he struck the rock, he struck it again. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you, you, because you personalized this thing, Moses, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Imagine the opportunities that God has for your life. Imagine the dreams and things that he has for you that are all thwarted because we misuse what we have already. Think about that. Think about what you, you possibly could be missing out on just because you're not using what you have to the extent or not according to what God has for your life. Think about that. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You may look back right now in your life with regret because you remember a time that God said, hey, do this, and you did that. That's not a hard message. That's just life. That's the way it is. There's times for me. What happened to me then? Back out in the desert, wandering around, not getting the promise that he had for my life because I didn't listen on the front end. I misused Look, you know I'm a, a very uh, a friendly person, right? I hope so. Yeah? Can I get some? Crap. You're like, yeah, just because you made us say it. Um, but I remember growing up, even that being misused for harm. People were like, in college especially, you know, well, that Justin, he's just all about the ladies. They were all about me. It wasn't me. Come on now. Kara said, amen, got that one, all right? She's having flashbacks, right? But it's just funny, though, how, how the enemy would even try to use that against me. I almost quit college from stuff that people said about me. Almost didn't want to go into ministry and just be done with it. Because really, what they said and even how I misused it from time to time. See, God will take those things and redeem it, though. God will take it and give you second chances. God will take it and give you an amazing wife. Fellas, there's hope, okay? Uh, or an amazing husband or whatever. God will take these things that the enemy means for harm, and he'll, turn them, he'll take the things and the decisions that you made and turn them around because he can. He can. That leads us to this, Deuteronomy 3, 21 through 28. Something that we need to understand on the front end is that you will never stop being God's kid. All right, what does that mean? What does that mean? At the time I commanded Joshua, that's what the scripture says, you have seen with your own eyes all the Lord your God has done to these two kings. The Lord will do the same to all the kingdoms over there where you are going. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. 
At that time, I pleaded with the Lord. This is Moses speaking. O sovereign Lord, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. See, God still moved through Moses' life after that. It wasn't over. Moses still did amazing things, and you'll read that all throughout. For what God, where God did amazing things through his life still. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can send, excuse me, who can do the deeds and the mighty works you do. Let me go over. Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country in Lebanon. But because of you, the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. That is enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and look west, north, south, and east. Look at the land with your own eyes, since you are not going to cross the Jordan. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. All of the amazing things that he did in his life. And it ends like that. That that decision to strike the rock twice changed everything. Everything. Think about it. Moses is like, I brought him out of Egypt. I fed him. Manna came from heaven. Quail, all kinds of crazy stuff. That was me, God. Can you imagine the dialogue, right? That was me and you. That was us. That was our thing. And now I can't even go over? And I've got to give it off to someone else? Can you imagine the pain you felt in his life at that point? That's sad, man. That stinks that in the end, all he could do was just look at it from afar and hand it off. But here's the hope. Just because you don't listen, just because you don't do things right, there's still grace. You still are God's kid. There's things you may have missed out on because of the decisions. But who says God can't promise more? Who says God can't do more in light of it? Who says that you won't be in heaven? Nobody. See, nothing will separate us from God if we ask for forgiveness. Nothing will separate us from God if we get our hearts right before him. That's the beauty of Christ's death. Washes everything away. Here's the thing. I want to be honest with you. There was a time in my life while I was at college where I thought that nothing like this would ever happen. Literally. Nothing. I was, I've told you this before. I was going back to Culpeper. I was working at the body shop. That was going to be life. Not even going to finish college. I don't care. That was my plan. But God came in and said, hey, look, you know what? You made some bad decisions. You made some mistakes. You made some things that are going to take some time for people to, to get over. But if you come with a humble heart before me, I'll change it. I will change it. And you're still going to be my kid. We see that in Joshua's life because what he did is he watched Moses. You know that? This is what we get to do. We're the next generation. You're the next gen Your new life, you get to enter the promised land, God's promises for your life as you figured out last week. But we have to just humbly come before him and say, that's me. I'm that guy. I'm the one that abused what I had or I'm the one that didn't use it yet. Lord, help me. Lord, help me.
to read this last portion of scripture to you of the account of Moses getting to see his promised land. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory from Ephraim to Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the world, the whole region from the valley of Jericho to the Sea of Palms as far as Zoar. The Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see this with your eyes, but again you won't cross into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days, until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with with the spirit of wisdom, because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all the officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. But... He didn't get to go in. I don't want any of us, any of us, to die outside of our promise. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe God's promised that your kids will come to the saving knowledge of Christ. Maybe God's promised financial success. You feel that like he's put it in there. Maybe he's promised you a different job and things like that. Don't give up. You'll be revered as someone that did amazing things. But what God has for you is more. He has more. And today is an opportunity to say, God, all right, I see Joshua. I see Moses. I see you. I look within myself. And what I have, I give. What I have, I give. What we're going to do is we're going to close with just a time of prayer. Um, Guys are going to put some music on in the back. And this, this is what I want you to do. This is a, a conclusion of a series, but also a, a time when you just have resolve in your life. That you just, that's it. Welcome to New Year's. This is your resolution time, okay? But an opportunity for you to say, okay, given everything, understanding all this, what am I going to do with what I have? What am I going to give? You may have in your mind, again, people that God's placed in your heart. You may have in your mind things that he's placed in your heart to give up, to give away, to do whatever. You may have a, a, a real inkling in your heart or even a sharp tug to give your life to him or give more of your life to him. I just want to take a moment to pray for you and then to challenge you to do just that. What we're going to do is, again, uh, we're always here if you would like for us to pray with you, our staff and our team. There's also going to be folks in the Connection Center that will have conversations and pray with you in there as well. Um, but I just, I want you to conclude next with the type of spirit that says, whatever you want, God, whatever I have, I'm willing to give because it all comes from you. God bless Moses, but I don't want to end up like him, sadly. 
I don't want to see what was promised to me for generations prior to me and miss out on it. I want to get my promise. I want to be like Joshua. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for this day that uh, does symbolize sacrifice of a mother, but an understanding that symbolizes the greatest sacrifice of all, you. Jesus, you gave your whole life, everything to us. Gave it up as a ransom so that we may be saved. Saved from what? From ourselves. From our desires to do whatever we want. God, there's nothing wrong with doing what we want as long as it's what you wanted for us first. God, we offer everything up to you this morning, starting with our hearts, with our destiny, with our eternity. We give you that first. What does that look like, God? We just ask for repentance. We say, God, forgive me so that I turn from and I turn to you. That might be what you have to do right now. But some of us, we may have to say, look, man, I can totally identify with Moses. That I've, There's been a lot of amazing things that have happened in my life. But I feel like there's this one thing that has held me back from really living in my promise. I can see it in the distance. I can see it and I can almost smell it. But I'm not there because this one thing holds me up. God, I pray this morning that we be willing to give up everything so that we can pursue what's next. That's life and life more abundantly in you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.